Sometimes things happen that we, we can't quite put our finger on. We don't really know why they happened or how they happened. It's sort of outside of the realm of, you know, our understanding. And, uh, you know, it's hard for us to compartmentalize what um, transpired. But, you know, we always find a way. And, uh, you know, if you, you, um, if you try hard enough, you can, you, uh, you know, you, uh, there's an old saying that goes, um, you know, can't explain something uh don't try because you're gonna you're gonna end up hurting yourself thinking thinking too hard about that one and you know you, you don't want to do that because that, that's gonna that's gonna mess you up in the long run so uh if you could just uh you know reach into your pocket for me and uh you know oh what's that in your hand what, what you got there in your hand you just pull out your pocket what's that oh that's uh that's two tickets two tickets to the bonkers theater David Carroll was a busy man. He'd wake at five in the morning, shower, brush his teeth, dry off, and get dressed, and then head to work. His commute was long and tiresome, stuck in bumper-to-bumper traffic. It would take him two hours of driving to barely arrive to work on time. When he arrived at work, he would clock in and start to work at the assembly line. He'd stare down the conveyor belt, waiting for the first batch to make its way towards him. This was the most exciting part of most days. He never knew the timing in which he'd see the first wooden boy pass into his view. David would wait with great anticipation for the first little wooden boy to come. Then suddenly, the first little wooden boy came. He locked eyes with the wooden boys he had become all too familiar with. Those small, wooden, Indian boys. David never understood why they sold so well, but almost everywhere you went, whether it be a restaurant or a gas station, or just passing someone on the street, someone was bound to hand you one of the little wooden boys as a greeting. It had become more common than saying hello to someone. At least it was this way in the small city of India, Missouri. David's job was simple. As each little wooden boy came down the line, they would stop in front of him, and he would take his little paintbrush and place a single red dot on their forehead. Whenever the dot was placed, he would then pull a lever that would position the next boy in line in front of him. David had done this job for almost five years now, and had felt satisfaction in doing so. Although, something had worried David over the past years, he was afraid he'd become complacent. But what worried him more is that he was incapable of wanting anything more for himself. David had wished that he were able to dream of something more for his life, but he didn't know where to begin. The concept of dreaming was foreign to him. He had never wanted or saw after anything that wasn't immediately within his grasp. He lived day by day and moment by moment never thinking or pondering of what's to come. The only time he ever finds himself with any anticipation is waiting for the little wooden boys to come down the line each morning, which they never fail to do. After applying the dots to hundreds, if not thousands, of the little wooden boys, 
A loud whistle sounded throughout the factory. This marked the beginning of the lunch break. David never packed his own lunch, because it required too much decision and planning. Thankfully for David, the factory had its own cafeteria. David enjoyed the cafeteria because it allowed for him to have a new lunch experience each day without ever having to think things over on his own. Today's lunch was Sloppy Joe's. David licked his lips eagerly in anticipation, or lack thereof, moved through the lunch line, exchanged Indians with the lunch lady, and sat down to have his lunch. David was just about to bite into his lunch when the doors to the cafeteria swung open. Immediately, everyone stopped chewing their food with their mouths open like they normally do, and instead were very aware of how much food they had moving around inside of their mouths. The cause of the doors swinging open was none other than the boss man. The boss man was a big and burly man who wore an expensive, big suit. Three little men constantly followed the boss man around. One walking by his side to polish the jewelry that adorned the boss man. A second sat atop his right shoulder to limp roll the boss man's big suit. And a third that sat atop his left shoulder to pick expensive steak out of the boss man's teeth. The boss man walked up to the stage in front of all the workers and joined their sloppy joes and leaned into the microphone that was up on stage. He said the two men sat upon each shoulder respectively on the floor and they held hands with the other little man and skittered away. The boss man tapped into the microphone a couple of times before beginning. As you may know, we have created a large surplus of little wooded Indian boys, the boss man began. And as you may also know, he continued, most people at this point own multiple wooden boys and exchange exchange them amongst each other throughout the day. The crowd nodded in agreement while eating their sloppy joes. And because in the great city of India, Missouri, we are exchanging the same wooden Indian boys amongst each other, and there is really no market outside of our city, he trailed on, reluctant to get to the point. There is no longer a need to continue production. The crowd nodded in agreement, eating their sloppy joes. What I'm trying to say is, you can all go home. We don't need you anymore. The crowd stopped chewing. What do you mean, said one of the workers. Like we can just get paid from home until we need to make more little wooden boys? The boss man responded. No, I mean like, you're all fired. Like the whole factory is shutting down. The workers got so sad when they heard this news that they couldn't finish their sloppy joes. Except for David. He always finished what he started. But after he finished the sloppy joe, he didn't know what to do next. He had just lost his job and had no idea where to go. He usually would wait for his floor manager to tell him to go home at the end of the day. But now with no job and no floor manager, did he really even need to go home? Maybe he could just stay seated in the cafeteria and someone would just keep delivering him food for the rest of his life. As David was thinking, the boss man approached him. What are you still doing here? The boss man asked. Huh? replied David as he looked around to see that the cafeteria was empty. 
Oh, uh, I don't know. Well, don't you have somewhere to be? The boss man inquired. I guess not, replied David, seeing as I don't have a job and all. That is a good thing, said the boss man. It is? Yes, of course it is. That means you no longer have to, uh... Um... Yeah, um... You no longer have to, uh... Um... Uh... What did you do for this company? David replied, I painted dots on the foreheads of the little wooden Indian boys. Wow, really? Yes. The boss man struggled to remain optimistic, but continued nonetheless. Well, you're free now. Free, free from the monotony of painting the same dot, boy by boy. Free to follow your dreams. My dreams? asked David. Yes, your dreams. You do have dreams after all, don't you? The boss man asked in return. I guess not, figured David. The boss man gasped. Oh, actually I have the perfect thing for you. The boss man reached into his expensive suit pocket to pull out a small business card. He handed it to David, who could see that the business card was off-white with a business name and an address on it. The business was called Dream Meister. A peculiar name, David thought, but they must have a dream-related business. Just stop by this place if you're having trouble dreaming. David did as he was told, and walked to his car, and navigated his way to the address. The location was strange, an old warehouse of the city limits. It didn't look like any business was there. There were no signs or advertisements, but according to the navigation software, this was the place. David entered into the old warehouse. The place was dark and cold. Hello? asked David. Is anyone there? Oh yes, a voice called out. I'll be right there. David heard some grunting coming from where the voice was. The grunting carried on for several seconds and didn't seem to be any closer to stopping. Is everything okay? asked David. Can you hit the light switch next to the door? the voice asked. David turned and saw the small light switch illuminated by the light coming through the door he had left ajar. Oh yeah, I, I got it, David said as he flipped on the switch. He turned to a large stone column with a seat on the very top centered in the giant, otherwise empty, warehouse. The grunting continued and David started to jog towards it. He made his way to the opposite side of the column to discover a small green man clambering down the side. He had skinny limbs with defined musculature, and a large belly that hung down past where his knees would be if he hadn't had his legs wrapped around the back side of the column. The small green man eventually made his way to the warehouse floor, where David could now see that the little creature's brain was exposed through a glass dome fixed to the top of his head. David could watch the withered gray brain twitch around for hours, but he didn't think that's why he was sent to this location. David exchanged Indians with the little green man, and then explained to the small man his situation. The little green man grabbed him by the hand. The little green man blushed and rubbed David's palm, assuringly. I know why you were sent here now, said the little green man. To the Dream Meister. To see the Dream Meister. The Dream Meister? Do you know them? asked David. Yes, for I am the Dream Meister, said the Dream Meister. 
Oh, I see. So you are the Dream Meister, David replied to the Dream Meister. The Dream Meister started rubbing his belly. He took his little hands and moved them all around his belly, massaging it every which way you could think of, slipping his fingers, long and slender, around his belly button. He let out a nice little moan that made David blush. I know exactly what you need, said the Dream Meister, as he continued to massage his little belly button. You need a dream. A dream, asked David. How can I have a dream? I'm incapable of having dreams. I've never had a dream, and I never will have a dream. That's where you're wrong, said the Dream Meister. For they don't call me the Dream Meister for nothing. The Dream Meister slapped his belly and let out a laugh, and David could watch as the belly moved up and down with, with each inhale and exhale. So what can you do for my dreams, asked David. Well, I'm the Dream Meister, said the Dream Meister, and I can conjure up any dream and give it to you. Really? You can do that for me? asked David. Of course I can. I'm the Dream Meister, said the Dream Meister. The only thing I ask from you is that you assume the dreaming position. David had never heard of the dreaming position. This must be something new, he had thought to himself. A dreaming position. A position for dreaming. Or maybe, a position for receiving dreams. So what is the dreaming position? David asked the Dream Meister. What is the dreaming position, you ask? The Dream Meister asked David, asking the Dream Meister what the dreaming position was. Well, I will show you. Just then, the Dream Meister assumed a position that no man should ever assume in front of another man. He got down on his hands and knees and forced himself into a very compromising and embarrassing position in front of David. David had to avert his gaze from what he had seen dangling around on the Dream Meister. Take a good look, said the Dream Meister, and analyze the position, because you in a few moments will be assuming the same position. That is, if you want to dream. David didn't know if he wanted to dream anymore. The position was quite embarrassing, and also compromising, if the Dream Meister was up to no good. David normally would do whatever he's told. But this situation was quite different. He had never been told to do something so embarrassing. He thought to himself, is this really worth dreaming? Is this what dreaming is all about? When people talk about following their dreams, is this what they mean? Is dreaming really such an important part of life that everyone must need it? If only David could dream a way out of this situation. But alas, David gave in to his instincts and agreed to assume the dreaming position. David asked what the Dream Meister would do when he assumes that position, but the Dream Meister refused to elaborate and told David just to trust him that nothing bad would happen and that there's no way to give somebody a dream unless they assume this position in front of him. 
David agreed. David agreed to all of it. And the Dream Meister asked him what kind of dream he would want. David hadn't thought about what kind of dream he'd want, since he doesn't dream. So he suggested that the Dream Meister just gives him a practical dream that most people would have. And the Dream Meister agreed to those terms. David assumed the position, and the Dream Meister rubbed his hands together. Then the Dream Meister used his withered old gray brain to conjure up a nice dream for David, and then implanted the dream inside of David. David was finally able to dream. David dreamt of becoming a gardener. David immediately set out to go home and start a garden. David was finally happy. He had a dream to follow. He could garden all day long. He could tend to his plants. And here he felt at home. The plants were his friends. All the vegetables and all the fruits he grew. They were all like family members in his big garden family. Now David knew what dreams were all about. He finally understood what makes people happy. And that's the pursuit of those dreams. David would tend to his garden from sunrise to sunset, and sometimes afterwards. On cold nights, he'd even bring out a blanket and sleep with the plants to keep them warm. The plants would thank him graciously, and sometimes when he would shiver in the cold from being on top of the blanket, the plants would come out from underneath the blanket and give him hugs with their leaves to keep him warm in exchange. David and all of his plants became great friends, and they lived a very long and happy life together. Many years had passed, and David had been living a fulfilled life with all of his little plant friends. Then one day, a very nice luxury car pulled up to David's property, and out stepped an all-too-familiar character. It was none other than the boss man, except this time he did not have the three little men he usually has with him. And the boss man greeted David and exchanged Indians with him. He explained to him that the Indians have caught on and have spread all throughout the state of Missouri, and he predicts that they'll have future advances into neighboring states, and one day maybe even the world. David was elated to hear this. The two talked until the sun set in the sky, and then it was time for them to part ways. Before they left, the boss man had asked David about the Dream Meister and what dream the Dream Meister had given David. David explained to him that he made his dream to be a gardener, and that everything worked out perfectly fine for him. The boss man was happy to hear this, and glad that David is happy now. But David stopped the boss man before he could leave and asked him how he ever learned about the Dream Meister. The boss man paused for a second, but then decided to tell David the truth. I was once like you, David. I was incapable of dreaming, and had no direction in life, or anything that I really wanted to do. I would work from sunrise to sunset, filling out somebody else's dream, and never thinking of my own. David was shocked. David had thought he was the only one in the whole world who was incapable of dreaming. He had no idea that somebody as prestigious as the boss man would need to have a dream given to him. May I ask, sir, what the dream you were given was? David asked. Why, that's no issue at all, 
said the boss man. The thing I asked the dream for, the dream I received, is to make lots and lots of little wooden Indian boys.